good to have you today. How many, when you went to school, you hated history classes? Let me see your hands. How many didn't like history? All right. Yeah. Uh, how many, though, loved history classes when you were younger? Yeah, I, I loved history, but you know what? For a lot of us, you start out not liking it, and then you grow a little bit older, and you begin to realize how cool history is, how many great stories there are. So I want to welcome you if you're new. Glad that you're here. Coming at a kind of an interesting time, because today you're going to get a little bit of a history class. You're going to get a Bible overview as we go through the book of Acts. And I think we, we struggle with understanding the Bible because we try to read it like every other history book, you know, and it's not laid out in a chronological way like other books are. And so we have trouble fitting together all of these stories. We don't know what order, you know, Abraham and Moses and David, what, how that all fits together. And I grew up in church and I didn't understand how all those stories fit together until I took a Bible history class in public high school, right? Who knew? That's where I learned it. And, and so now if all of those kinds of stories feel like disjointed, weird stories that you wonder, what did they have to do with me? I mean, I, I think I like Jesus. That's great. But what about all those strange ancient Hebrew writings? I mean, what do I do with all those? Do I have to know those and believe those in order to follow Jesus. So I want you to hold tight because I hope after today you're going to leave here understanding a lot better the difference between the two major portions of the Bible, the Old Testament part and the New Testament part. And I hope you'll understand better that you don't have to get hung up on a lot of the Old Testament stuff in order to follow Jesus, all right? Because this is important because I want you to know God has always had a plan for you to know him personally uh, without all of that stuff that's so hard to, to understand, all that baggage that he's, he's made a way for you to be in a right relationship with him that's not based on a, a bunch of religious rituals and ceremonial customs and all the other systems and traditions like that, but that it's all found in Jesus. It's about him. So in the New Testament, we get to uh, this, this section that begins with Jesus' four biographies, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then the next book is the book of Acts, and that is the history book of the early church. It tells us what the first Christians believed and did. And that's what we've been going through for the first six chapters, and we've been reading those chapters completely out loud together in these services. And we've seen how the church began right in the capital of Jerusalem, right in the, the center of the Jewish faith with the temple and the priesthood and uh, the altar and the sacrifice and all those things. But at this point, uh, the church is still only a few weeks old. And, uh, you know, Jesus has died, risen from the dead. There's a few thousand Christians now, and these people are turning completely upside down the notion of what it means to follow God. Among all these Jewish people, they're flipping the whole system upside down. Understand, all of these first Christians have been Jewish people, but they're not following the Jewish ways anymore, which really ticks off the Jewish leadership and hierarchy. They feel like, we got to stamp these guys out. we got to put this Christian thing down because it's corrupting the whole Jewish faith. It's drawing in all these people, and we got to silence this thing by taking out the leaders. Well, that hasn't worked so far, has it? And, and now new leaders are rising up like this guy Stephen that we saw last week at the end of chapter 6. I love Stephen. In fact, we even named our first son after Stephen. This guy is brilliant. They couldn't out-debate him. 
And so they decide we got we to arrest him. They bring him in before the Jewish Supreme Court, which is called the Sanhedrin. Remember, they're made up of about 70 lawyers and rabbis and rulers and, and priests. And they bring him up on these false charges. Uh, the same kind of bogus blasphemy charges they leveled against Jesus that they want to destroy Judaism. They want to tear down the temple. And so here's the charges at the end of chapter six from last week. This fellow, Stephen, he never stops speaking against this holy place, our temple, and against the law of Moses, all the Ten Commandments and the others. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and he'll change the customs Moses handed down to us. Now, they're, they're not actually completely wrong. They're only half right here. It, it, it's a bogus charge, though, because Jesus never intended to destroy the temple or Judaism. He's merely fulfilling it and he's replacing it. See, there's continuity with Judaism in the Old Testament, but there's also great change. See, because the Old Testament was never intended to be our permanent way of relating with God. It was temporary. It was meant to lead us to Jesus. It fulfilled that because Jesus was never meant just to be kind of something tacked on to Judaism, just a continuation. He came to bring something new a new way of relating to God that all of those old things had always pointed to. Jesus fulfills all the prophecies and the prefigurements and the traditions and the symbols and the shadows and the signs. It's all found in him. So here's what happens today is, is we often like to say the Bible says that can be a mistake because the Bible is not really just one book. Right? It's, it's an Old Testament and it's a New Testament and we don't do everything the Bible says because we're not under the Old Testament any longer. We're under the New Testament that Jesus brought. We do what God says through the New Testament. The old, that was God's agreement with Israel, with the Jewish people, but it's not our guide for behavior today. And that's why saying the Bible says could be a bit of a mistake. It might be clearer to say the Jewish scriptures say or the Christian scriptures say, to, to make sure people understand that, thank God, we do not have to become Jewish in order to be right with God. We don't have to get circumcised and travel to Jerusalem three or four times a year and offer bloody sacrifices through the priest and celebrate these, these festivals and follow all these complex customs and dietary restrictions like no pulled pork, no Italian sausage, no bacon. We, that's not us. We can eat all we want. It's all good. We belong to Christ. Our covenant is better. Our promises are better. Jesus came to bring us a new way of being right with God, a new way of being saved, a new way of worship, a new way of living. So in this courtroom drama, it opens up in Acts 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? Instead of saying, yes, they are, Stephen presumes to launch into giving uh, a lecture, uh, a seminar on Old Testament history to the very scholars and professors of the Jewish faith, which takes a lot of guts, a lot of gall to do that. But he shows that, look, it's the Christians who are the ones who are fulfilling and carrying on God's plan from the Old Testament. We're the ones that have accepted the Messiah that God sent. You Jewish authorities, you're the ones that have broke faith with God because you're clinging on to the old beliefs and behaviors that God has left behind and you're rejecting his Messiah. You're resisting his spirit. And so his big idea to them was to receive the new way of Jesus to keep faith with God's plan. And that's the big idea for us today. We got to receive the new way of Jesus to keep faith 
with God's plan. We don't hold on to all the old. So we're going to read Stephen's defense speech to the, to the court. And it actually turns out to be more of an offense speech because he flips the tables on them and begins calling out them and their daddies for murdering all of God's prophets right up to the Messiah himself. Now, I'm letting you know it's a long chapter today that we're going to be reading, but there's a point to it. Stephen is making the point that from the beginning, God has had this plan. And it's not dependent on having a special race or a sacred place or a religious space to carry out that plan. God's never needed any of that. But that it all was leading to Jesus. All that Israelite background was meant to lead us, all of us, all people everywhere of all times, to Jesus. And for saying that, Stephen's going to get himself killed. He's going to become the first Christian martyr. And so we're going to do something a little bit different today. I don't think we've ever done this really. But in order to not only honor God's word, but to honor Stephen's final message, preaching his own funeral sermon, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word today. So we're going to stand and read Acts 7. Come on, we can do this. Because look, we'll stand for an entire concert. We'll stand in line for hours at amusement parks. We'll stand 15 minutes to get a table at a restaurant. We can stand for maybe up to 15 minutes right now to hear God's word read. Here we go, Acts 7, verses 2 through 53. All right. To this, Stephen replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory has appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So he's saying, it begins way back in Genesis 12. The very first Hebrew, the first Jew, was Abraham. And God called him before there was ever an Israel or a temple or a sanctuary or any of that stuff. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land, the promised land, that I will show you. And so he left the land of the Chaldeans, and he settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. Okay, here we are. We're in Israel. We're in the promised land. But before any of that, before the law and the temple, God was with his people before there was a priesthood, before there were sacrifices, any of that. In fact, God made a promise to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, and not only that, I'm going to bless all lands, all peoples, through your seed, your descendant. Who does that descendant turn out to be? Guess who? It's Jesus. It's all leading to Jesus. So he, God, gave him, Abraham, no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess this promised land, even though at the time Abraham had no child. No descendants. God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. So it's coming. You're going to go to Egypt. But I will punish that nation they serve as slaves, God said. And afterward, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place, in this promised land. So while God's people were in Mesopotamia, when they were in Haran, when they were in Egypt, they were still God's people. Didn't need Israel, didn't need the temple, didn't need any of that. And then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. That's the mark or the sign of being Jewish. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob. God renames him Israel. That's where it comes from. And Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, because the patriarchs were jealous of their little brother, Joseph. They sold him as a slave into Egypt. 
But God was with him outside of Israel in Egypt and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Well, then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan. Canaan's the promised land bringing great suffering and our ancestors couldn't find food. And when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit, visit and then on their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent his father, Jacob, and his whole family, 75 in all. Then they, all the whole family, then Jacob and his family, they went down to Egypt where he and his ancestors died. Their bodies were then brought back to Shechem, city in the Holy Land, placed him in a tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. And as the time drew near, forgot to fulfill his promise to Abraham. Okay, so well, he's saying, all right, that sums up the whole first book of the Bible. That's all of Genesis right there. When Judaism began. And the rest of his speech is going to focus on the next four books of the Old Testament. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Because those five books make up the law of Moses. All right, this is what Jewish faith is based on. All right, so... Uh, the key here is to understand he's saying all that stuff, all it was all leading somewhere. Okay. The number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born. He was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. And when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses is educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Okay, so when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. And he saw one of them mis being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Not Captain America. Moses is the first Avenger right there. He thinks he's a superhero. He's the deliverer. Moses thought that his own people would realize God was using him to rescue them. But he, they didn't. And the next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, your brothers, why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard that, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and he had two sons. Okay, so again, God is with Moses outside of the Holy Land. He's with him in Midian now. Before there's a law, before there's a temple... After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. Did you know that there was an angel in the burning bush? When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. And as he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. That's the Jewish God right there. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is Israel. Remember, Moses trembles with fear, didn't dare to look. And the Lord said to him, take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I'll send you back to Egypt. Now this is the same Moses who had been rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge. He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself. So he becomes the superhero. Through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. And he led them out of Egypt, the Exodus. And he performed wonders and signs in Egypt, ten plagues, at the Red Sea, and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, get this, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. Okay, so before he dies, 
he prophesies God's going to send a prophet like me. Guess who that turns out to be? Jesus. It all leads to Jesus. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. Did you know there was an angel on Mount Sinai too? And with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. Those living words are what? The Ten Commandments. All the other commandments, all the laws, the priesthood, the sacrifices, all the customs. This was their covenant with God. What we now call the Old Covenant. Now, they didn't call it old. It was still new to them back then. But it became old because it got replaced and fulfilled by Jesus. Okay? Uh, this is the Jewish covenant or the covenant with Israel. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, Moses, just like later they're going to reject Jesus. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. And they told Aaron, Moses' brother, hey, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. And that was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. And they brought sacrifices to it. And they reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them, and he gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. And this is agrees with, with what's written in the book of the prophets. God says, did you bring me sacrifices and offerings for 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? No, you have taken up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Rephon, the idols you made to worship. Just because you claim to be Jewish didn't mean you're really Jewish. You're not really my people because you're not obeying me. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. So again, another place outside of Israel, but God will be with them. Our ancestors, they had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. What's a tabernacle? God had them make a big tent. A big tent that went with them wherever they went. That's where God would symbolically meet with them. He dwelled with them. And that's where they would bring their sacrifices, all those animals year after year after year to be sacrificed by the priest. The point is, God is the God of the tent. God is mobile. He's a rambling God. He gets around. He, go, he goes everywhere. He's not stationary in one place like Jerusalem, all right? So it had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. And after receiving the tabernacle tent, our ancestors under Joshua, this guy takes over from Moses, he brought it with them when they finally took the land, the promised land, from the nations God drove them out of. So they finally turn it into the nation of Israel, and then eventually their great king David comes along, he establishes Jerusalem as the capital, and it, the tabernacle, remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. Remember, Jacob is Israel. So it's the Jewish God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. What's the house? The temple. Okay, so they finally build a permanent stationary building for God. They want to get rid of the God of the tent, and have a God of the building. Now understand, God never asked for a temple to be built. Wasn't his ideal. He allowed it as a concession because he doesn't need a temple. See, however, the Most High doesn't live in houses made by human hands. A building can't contain his presence. He can't be confined to one location in Jerusalem. And so, as the prophet says, and really it's God, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or well, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made these things? So now there's a temple. And God promises David that you will continue to have an heir, a descendant who will rule forever from your throne. 
Guess who that turns out to be? Jesus. It all leads to Jesus ruling over a spiritual kingdom. You guys can have a seat now. Thanks for that. Okay. So Stephen, now he's, the speech is over. The history lesson is done. It's time for him to make his final stand as as like an Old Testament prophet himself. He takes it to these hard-hearted hypocrites, says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, which is kind of (laughs) weird, frankly. But the point is, you may have the mark of being Jewish, but you aren't really one of God's people. You may possess the law, but you sure don't obey it. Doesn't matter how religious you are, you won't bend or bow to God's truth. You aren't right with God. You're rebellious. You're not God's people. You're just like your ancestors, your daddies. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? I mean, they they killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Who's that? Guess who? It's Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. Your Messiah. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. And so Stephen has now walked these religious professionals through all this Old Testament history, all the stories that they had studied since childhood, and yet they had missed Jesus. Listen, you can know the Bible, but if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Bible. You don't know the Lord. Jesus himself said he came to fulfill the scriptures. In John chapter 5, he says to these unbelieving, hard-hearted religious leaders who are persecuting him, that all of the scriptures are about me. He says this in John 5, verses 37 through 40. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. In scripture, you have never heard this voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. And yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So see, it was all leading up to Jesus. History is his story. So there's continuity and change with the Jewish scriptures, with Judaism. There is fulfillment and replacement. And the people of God, we we have, even though the Old Testament era is over, we have a spiritual heritage that goes all the way back to the earliest days, to the first Jewish person, Abraham himself. See, Christians never came along to start a new religion. They were here to fulfill what God began in Genesis 12. And we're a part of that same people because we have received the one God promised. Jesus is greater than Abraham, greater than Moses, greater than David and all the others because he is God with us, the son of God. So look, The Old Testament is absolutely God's word. It is inspired. It is inerrant. It is all true. It is all very valuable to us. Look, the Old Testament and the New Testament are holy, sacred texts that are breathed out by God, and we should uphold them. But understand, we are no longer under the Jewish scriptures any longer. That's not our, our covenant. Read the Old Testament. You can't fully understand and appreciate Jesus without it. But that's not our agreement. The Old Testament has been fulfilled. And our faith 
is not based on the old covenant with Israel, but with the new covenant of Jesus. And that means, look, you may never get to travel to modern-day Israel and visit all the, the sacred sites and the holy shrines and all that stuff that's over there, and that's okay. Because our faith is not in a place, it's in a person. You're never going to get to see the temple because it's gone. It was destroyed. It, it was torn down 40 years after Jesus by the Romans in AD 70 for the very fact that the Jewish people rejected their Messiah. It's never been rebuilt and it never will because we don't need a temple anymore. We don't need a priesthood. We don't need a sacrifice or an altar or a sanctuary. Jesus is all of that for us. He is the perfect one that fulfills it. He's all we need. In fact, he is the one place we go to to become right with God and to worship him rightly. It's all about Jesus. That's where we go to be forgiven. And guess what? We now become the temple of God's spirit. He dwells in us. So it's not blasphemous to say Jesus destroyed the temple. No, he just moved it. It's back to being a tabernacle. God is the God of the tent. We're the tent. He's mobile again. He's rambling everywhere we go. God is what you don't have to go to a place to be with God. God goes with you wherever you go. The ground we walk on wherever we go, that's holy ground because the spirit of God is within us. No, we're not born Israelites, but that's okay because as Christians, we're now the people of God. We are Israel today. We're the new Israel. First Peter 2.9 says this. Everybody say it with me because this is us. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's us. It doesn't matter what blood flows through your veins. It doesn't matter what soil is under your feet. We are his people. And it doesn't matter if you're Jew or you're Gentile or you're religious or irreligious or pious or pagan. None of that matters anymore. All that matters is if you've received Jesus. Now, we got to go back and see what happens to Stephen. Got to finish out Acts 7. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of the Lord and, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And that was just too much for them. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Oh, he becomes very important. And we'll find out about him a little bit next week. But while they're stoning Stephen, Jesus prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He dies with the same prayer on his lips that Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And while his body sleeps, his soul went to be with the Lord. Because our souls are, are still, they're still very much awake. But our bodies are going to be reawakened and transformed when Jesus returns and resurrects us. See, the church lost a very great light on that day Stephen died. It's a shame. Because he was like a shooting star burning brightly for such a short time. But what a trail he left. Because he became the very first one to die for Jesus in what has become a very long line of Christian martyrs through the ages right down to this very day who have followed his example and even though he's praying, Lord, I, uh, somehow use this to turn these men around. 
no matter. You can kill the messenger. You can't kill the message. You can't stop God's plan from unfolding. In fact, by killing him, they only made it spread further because all the Christians got out of town quick and scattered everywhere. God kept faith with his people by sending his son. And so now you and I, we receive the new way of Jesus to keep faith with God's plan that began back with Abraham. Now, I don't know where you are today in terms of your understanding of the Bible. You may not believe all that stuff. You may not, uh, you may not even like all the stuff you see in the Bible. You, you have intellectual skepticism about the factuality of those stories or, or the accuracy of it or, or the fact that there can be all those kinds of miracles. And, and maybe you, you're put off by the stuff you read about wars and violence and patriarchy. And I get that. We all struggle with those things. But what I'm saying is you don't have to know or even believe all of those things first before coming to faith in Jesus Because our faith doesn't rise and fall on what God did with Israel. It's all about Jesus. See, Stephen's leveraging all those Old Testament stories to to make his case to the Jewish audience. But those stories didn't resonate with the Gentile people back then, and they sure don't resonate with our secular post-Christian society today. You can't take people to the Old Testament first. What do we do? We take them to the resurrection. That's what the early Christians did. When they went to the Gentile world, they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we do today. We don't start people out in the book of Genesis. We start them with the gospel in the book of Luke and Mark and John and Matthew. Because it's still, it's all about what happened that first Easter weekend. It's all true. And you know what? I can believe all of those Old Testament stories because Jesus did. Because when a guy dies and comes back to life, I'm going to believe whatever he says and whatever he teaches. So let's pray. All right. Well, Father, help us to rest our faith on the authority of who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross and through the empty tomb where you displayed your love for us. And now, God, in our culture and among our friends and family and coworkers, help us to communicate that truth, that that we have the most important truth in all the world and all of history, the only truth that's really worth living for and worth dying for. And so, Father, right now we're praying for an awesome Easter that there'll be a lot of people come and get exposed to this good news. Right now, Father, we're going to pray each one of us for the names of people we know that need to be here, Lord, that you would, God, give me an opportunity to invite someone. We're praying for them now. And I'm going to pray for those right now who, up until this point, they've, they've rejected this faith, maybe because they didn't know it, they didn't understand it, or maybe uh, just been kind of stubbornly hanging on to their own ways, their own, their own, their own kind of self-righteous religion. God, I pray you'd open their hearts to receive the only one who can redeem them and make them right with you, who can empower them to live for you. Because I'm praying that in Jesus' name. Amen.